Hi, welcome to Health Tech listeners. I'm your host this week, Matt Fuster. This is the podcast where we tackle some of the trending topics, ideas, and best practices in health and social care. This week, we're speaking to Judy Walker, Senior Business Consultant at ETS Leadership. Judy is a subject matter expert in after action review approach and has been instrumental in developing ARRs for use in the NHS, higher education, and the private sector. Outside of work, Judy's a very keen rower. It's a sport which she only took up in her 40s because it's a sitting down sport uh, and a very sociable one too. She lives near the Thames, very nice, uh, and rows at least four times a week and races regularly, but wins rarely because Masters rowing is super competitive. That sounds quite interesting, actually. Um, Judy, I'll have to chat to you about that after the podcast. Um, so uh, welcome to uh, What the Health Tech. Um, so we met uh, oh, health plus care, didn't we, Judy? Probably kind of where were that six six months or, or so ago, um, where actually you were giving a, a, a speech, um, a talk on ARRs. Um, so kind of today's topic and t- today's discussion is around after action reviews uh, and how they contribute to improving patient safety for healthcare organisations. So I'll be honest, I didn't know what an ARR was before we sat down and, 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 and talked about it, and before I before I saw you at health plus care. Um, and I remember coming up afterwards going, oh, actually, I found this really, really interesting. Can you tell me more about it? So kind of for our listeners, what is an ARR? Well, an after-action review is essentially a conversation that is structured to ensure that you get the best possible outcomes. So it's, it's, a, it's a four-question model. I mean, lots of people that are listening today will be know about um, Agile and techniques to debrief. But the yeah. after-action review is a really um, structured and highly educational um, model to enable people to learn from a shared experience together. So how does... How does an AR differ for what, what people might be used to at the moment? What's, what's kind of different about it to, compared to other models of an investigation after an event? There's two essential differences. One is the, the, what I was saying, the Agile and Debrief model is opinion-based. It's a three-question model. What was good? What was tricky? Uh, what are we going to do differently? Those are all opinions. Mm-hmm. We don't do opinions to start with in an after-action review because we assemble, we, it's a descriptive process. But what is really different about it and why it's so um, incredible to see it now written into the new patient safety instant response framework is that it's, uh, it takes the learning to the ward level. It re- previously investigations and um, uh, root cause analysis have been done to people. Yeah. So the responsibility for learning and improving has rested with the organisation, the investigator, the person appointed to do the root cause analysis after a patient safety event. This shifts, this gives you a chance to actually have the conversation at the ward level with those directly involved and enable them to learn for themselves. So it's a fantastic, um, the democratic process that really um, is quite transformational in how it educates and um, enables people to change for themselves. So you mentioned transformational there then. So what's the evidence about the effectiveness of, of an AAR? So where, where do, I mean, where do they originate firstly? And then what is the evidence for them being successful? 
They first um, were used, uh, as far as I can see, because I've done a lot of research into this, is, is in the uh, Vietnam War. I think there's some evidence of it being used before then. But the, the American military, the yeah. Vietnam War was, whatever you think politically of it, um, it was a very different form of warfare because the enemy didn't respond you know, to the invading force as they as the American military expected. And yeah. also the military had some very educated, conscripted troops. So what happened was the generals realized that the troops on the ground were learning quicker than they were. And they realized that they actually needed to, the, the, the command and control structure that they'd been using for centuries wasn't actually working. So the generals needed to take their stripes off and go and learn with the troops at the end of each day's engagement with the, back, with, with the enemy. And that is the fundamental principle of the After Action Review, that it, it enables, it flattens the hierarchy and enables people to learn together from the richness of their different experiences. And the research is really powerful on this. There was a study done um, in America uh, in 2012. Uh, it was a meta-analysis of 46 different pieces of research on after-action review. And the research had been done in, in military and medical and m many different sort of research um, contexts. And that was able to show very clearly that when after-action review is used, after a shared event of some any type, the outcomes were 20 to 25% better than those um, control groups that didn't use after action review. And for me, one of the most um, impressive outcomes of the research is one that was done at Brighton and Sussex University Hospital. Um, and it was published, I think, last year. And it looked at what you could do to reduce patient falls. Hmm. Now, it, the, there was a, sadly there was a, a patient uh, who died after a fall and that spurred the team into thinking we've got to do something about this we've made a commitment to the family we're going to improve um, uh, the sort of reduce the number of patient falls and so the first year of their project was followed the traditional sort of education campaign um, lots of information given out and data capture a bit of naming and shaming of who was succeeding and who was failing. And actually, after a year, though, very little improvement had been made in the number of patients falling. So they stood back and one of them had was one of the people that I trained as an after action review conductor. And she she's a she was a, I think, deputy chief nurse at the time. And she said, let's use after action reviews. Let's implement that at the ward level. And so after every patient fall, they had a post-fall huddle using mm. the after-action review four questions and that principle of engaging and flattening hierarchy. So the healthcare assistants, the patients, their, the family members, um, and all staff that were directly involved would gather together. So those post-fall huddles were routinely applied and they, it was so successful that they rolled out the post-fall huddle across all the whole of the trust 
and the results are quite outstanding. They achieved a 49% decrease in patient falls wow. over a okay. five-year period, saving 1.3 million pounds. And, you know, obviously thousands of patients suffering. So you so can I mean, see after action review works. Yeah. And so in terms of that, the process that they went through, so you, you kind of, you touched on it a little bit there. So if an organisation, I mean, obviously PISA, what, two days ago, it's just been released and obviously AAR is a part of, part of that. Um, if you were looking to implement this in your organisation, how do you go about that? Because it is quite a change mindset as much as anything isn't it about how you how you how you do that investigation uh, if, if that even is the right word so how if i'm an organization and i'm looking to implement this new approach what do i do differently how do i how do i implement that i mean it's a, that's a really good question because it is it is a quite a big change although to some extent it looks like a really simple four question model yeah. that transfer of power you know, from from the top to the bottom is is quite transformational. So your first step, there are four things you have to do to ensure a successful introduction. And this has come from all the many, many trusts that I've worked with. Um, you've got to engage your leaders. So your clinical leaders and your board uh, and executive team need to be engaged in this principle because they've got to be happy with that, you know, devolvement of, of, is that the right word, down to the, the ward level of empowering staff to make changes within their own local level. Um, and I think the PSERF is really going to give a very clear signal that that's the right thing to do. But you've still got to win their hearts and minds. And they've got yeah. to release staff to participate in after action reviews. And, um, and they've got to be calling them. So you've got to engage. You've got to train the people who are facilitating the after action reviews because although it is it looks simple actually what happens during it is quite complex because you've got to manage the um, risk of blame you've got to keep the hierarchy flattened and you've got to help ensure people feel psychologically safe because when that happens people start listening properly and they start learning deeply so you've got to have trained conductors. You've also got to um, educate the whole workforce so that everyone is aware of what AAR is and why it's being used and how to call one and what to expect if they participate in one. And crucially, you've got to have the infrastructure in place for the reporting, the recording, the synthesizing of the data that is coming out of after action reviews. So you've got to put that sort of background in place so that you can maximize the value you're getting from every AR. So, I mean, a couple of things there. So conductors, what, what makes a good conductor? So if I, if I am, you know, if you're looking for those types of, is it, is it best to have different roles for individuals? Is there a type of personality that makes a good conductor? Do you, do you look for different things when you're kind of implementing this in an organization or, or should it be? Kind of a mix of, of almost anybody it should be a mix of almost anyone because you want to um devolve responsibility and empower people to lead ars at every level but to some yeah. extent you need 
staff who have the freedom to act within their role, to allocate time to do it whenever needed. So that comes at a certain grade, probably band, band six and above, um, mm. who would have the freedom to say, yes, I can run that after action review for you. You also want to look to people who are keen to improve patient safety. This is about learning how to serve others learning. So, you know, it's a real skill. And I have to say that so many of the people I've trained as AR conductors who've, who've fallen in love with the process like I have, they, their, their careers just take off because they're learning some key skills that yeah. are so valuable. So it's, it's really useful for that sort of your talent to develop your talent so that people develop their questioning skills and their listening skills and their self-awareness skills. And of course, facilitating after action reviews when things haven't gone so well for others means that you get deep insight into, you know, the stuff that is happening across your, uh, your organization. So it's, but there's, um, when we first started uh, training people um, to be conductors, there was a, there were also some people who were sent on the training because it was yeah. like, well, please, can you just get them to start listening to other people? <laughs> but this person, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someone, you know, they did. Most of them did gain something from the training, but but it, it was a it was a hard lesson for them to learn how to listen well and be quiet. You know, in a healthcare setting, we're training. You know, we teach people that they get to be at the top of the tree by knowing everything, by all the letters after their names, you know, all the papers they've published, all the PhDs they've got. I mean, nurses, matrons have to have PhDs now. But actually, we can't solve those problems ourselves. The problems that we're dealing in healthcare now are quite complex and we've got to involve everybody. So that key skill of being able to ask the right questions and in facilitate group learning is really valuable to improving patient safety. In terms of the kind of probably difficult question to answer, to be fair, the, the trust in the mechanism when it's implemented, is it something, how do you, how do you feed back into the organisation to, to evidence that these things are working? So you mentioned you mentioned the example where it's been really successful. I'm, I'm sure there, there are somewhere it's maybe a slower burn. Um, there's maybe somewhere culturally it's a bit more of a challenge. How do you reflect this back to the individuals who are involved in it? Because I guess they're the ones who have to have trust in the system, aren't they? You know, if I've been involved in this incident and I've then been in an AR, I, I need to be the one who sees, I said, this does work and there is a difference. It might be a tough question, but how do, how do you do that? How do you evidence that back to the people involved? It's a, it is a key question, Mark. I think for those who participate in an after-action review, they get it. They leave the after-action review with these insights and this understanding that they yeah. didn't walk in with. So I, your converts come through those who participate, but we are really missing a key ingredient in being able to synthesize the outcomes from each of those AARs. And I was I was listening to one of my clients um, earlier this week. They were doing a little webinar to educate across the whole trust. 
and in the last year they've logged 32 after action reviews that they've done formally and there's another nine in the pipeline but they know that there's maybe just as many that have been undertaken locally and they've got no track no evidence of them no uh, central sort of repository so all of that you know the people were changed but the the power to change the system and to listen to what's happening across the whole healthcare system is really lacking at the moment. Okay. In terms of kind of when you're actually performing the, these AARs, when, when should you perform one? Should it be every single incident that happens? Are the criteria? Is it the choice? What, 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 what triggers one or what should trigger one in your opinion? Well, it's clear in the new patient safety incident response framework, there's no threshold set centrally. So it is something that healthcare providers will be expected to define for themselves. What I've found in the last 10 years of running after action reviews clinically um, is that there's a, there's a sorting phase. You kind of, some trusts start off by saying we're going to do them for patient falls um, or for um, restrictive practices where we've had to restrain patients um, because that's that's kind of the outcome we don't want. We should yeah. be able to avoid the restraint activity. So another trust said that we're going to do an after action review for every every time we have a um, uh, go into an HR um, inquiry um, because that's the outcome that we don't want. So so trust can set their own sort of criteria when AR yeah. will routinely be applied. But it, it's a tool that you can use from, for every exceptional event, and you should be using it for the exceptional events because they are times when there's the opportunity to learn is really heightened. So, you know, the response to a, um, a major IT failure, a cardiac arrest in the front hall of the hospital, um, the, uh, a fire in the basement of the hospital, you know, so exceptional events are you know moments when you must capitalize and must learn and then there's the everyday events um which would put the sort of post fall uh, you know, patient fall uh, yeah. pressure area um uh, in uh, hospital acquired infections where there's a a real need to have that continuous improvement mindset but you might as well apply it to the um uh, you know to the closing of the accounts at a month end or year end in a hospital or the um, clinic processes to improve and refine, you know, any any active everyday activity can be benefit from an after action review. Yeah, I mean, we, we use it in development as well. It's kind of called something slightly different, but it's a, it's basically the same principle. So okay. you, me you mentioned the learnings and I know kind of we worked quite closely on how you can use radar to you know, track those learnings to be able to report on that evidence. Your vision of what this looks like. So obviously kind of PSERF has come out. Part of that is around obviously, you know, you're learning from, from, from what's going on, this this being one of those tools, one of those mechanisms. What would your vision look like for, you know, your ideal? How do how do organizations share this back within themselves? How do organizations share it with other organizations as well? Because I think that's always the bit that interests me of you know you're not you, you may just be a single organization but actually the problems you're facing are the same as your 
you know, you're facing across the whole of the NHS. So what you've learned from one of these reviews, somebody else can learn from one of these reviews. So do you have a vision for what this might look like going forwards? Um, I'm going to offer a, a slightly controversial view here. The, the, the real powerful change that comes yeah. from an after action review is in the people themselves. So okay. uh, the, we, we get the most learning when we realize it for ourselves. So that's the sort of prince, that's the fundamental principle of an after action review that, uh, that we, we, people learn, that we make every AR count yeah. rather than counting the AARs. But we do need to count the AARs and we need, do need to map and keep a finger on the pulse of the themes that are emerging. And this is where, you know, the technology that radar has, it could be so, so powerful to enable an organization to feel the heat spots. We've got lots of AR activity over in maternity. That is wonderful because they are obviously a healthy team that is monitoring and including everybody in their learning. You know, you could just do a heat map of, of, of where AR activity is. That, and that would give you a sign of healthy behaviors. There are so many ways this could really add value to understanding um, the patient safety culture in a trust, as well as extracting the themes that are emerging around clinical leadership, around yeah. internal, external communications, and around the sort of key issues that, that emerge. So I'm, I'm going to champion the power of the AR to be its own agent of change. And we need a system to actually give us the, the rest, the icing on the cake that will just make it um, so much more than it is already. Yeah, that's interesting. I think obviously bringing those individuals on board and you said being about that that's that that person's learning as being part of the part of that process um i guess it's hard you still got the problem of if you're not involved how do you understand the mechanism as well so you're back to one of the points you made almost right at the start about the the cultural thing and how do you train people and why you're doing this and why this is going to make a difference to, to the organization um so just kind of switching back on on, on pisa so i mean i'm i'm not I'm not sure if you've had a chance to read all of the all of the documents and everything that have come out as yet. I, do, have, do you kind I of, have actually read it all. Yeah, good, good. So well, hopefully means you can answer the, the next question. Then, so do you have any kind of initial thoughts and, and kind of first impressions? Well, in, to some extent, for me, there were no surprises because yeah. um, I'd read the uh, original one and the evaluation report. But what did stand out as different was this the real emphasis on the need for a transition phase that yeah. has come through really clearly. So there's lots of guidance uh, for trusts about what they should be doing to prepare for for reducing, you know, the number of um, patient safety investigations and bringing in these new learning response tools. So I really, you know, that's some, one thing I noted. And also they use this term, um, compassionate engagement and involvement of those affected by patient safety incidents. Now that's quite new and it was emphasized throughout the piece. Um, and I really like that. And, but that's a real significant change yeah. um, in, in emphasis 
but it's one that obviously, as we know, after action review is perfectly designed because it is such a compassionate and inclusive approach. So, um, but what I was really sad to see was that although there's a real emphasis on in involving patients and families, they yeah. didn't put the after action review in that box, in that, in that um, guidance document. Because my experience is that it's a really valuable tool for including patients um, and their families in the learning journey. But, you know, maybe that will come in, in version two. Yeah, possibly. Um, so in terms of kind of the, the, the I think you've, we, when we kind of met you, um, you, you kind of did a session on, it was a proverb, I think, and, and, and almost kind of describing after action reviews I mean, I'll, I'll let you describe it, but it, it was uh, using almost the perception of something based on the different individuals view at that particular moment in time. Um, so I think it was a, it was a proverb, wasn't it? I think you, you, you picked on. Can you can you just run through, run through that? Because that, that's that's the bit that captured my imagination when I was in the session. I really liked it. I was like, actually, this really makes sense to me now on how how an individual's perception of something can be very, very different to another, even though they were involved in the same thing. Yes, uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity because this, this ancient fable of the elephant and the six blind men, I think for, for, for many of us really uh, brings to life what the, the after action review is. And the story goes that the six blind men had heard that there was a new animal um, coming to town uh, a lot and they were really curious we want to go and find out about this so they went to town and found the animal and each of them you know felt and experienced the part of the elephant that was in front of them so the man who was standing by the trunk said this animal is like a tree trunk the man who was standing by the uh, tail said this animal is like a piece of rope Another who was by the leg said, this is definitely a tree trunk. Um, and another said, holding the, the ear, said, this animal's like a fan. And the one standing by its um, side said, this animal is like a huge wall. And of course, they were right in their own experience. That was what they experienced, and it was their truth. But and they started arguing with each other in some versions of this fable because they were so determined that that was that was the, their truth um, and the others must be wrong. What we are doing in an after action review is taking those individual perspectives of the of the elephant, the animal, the action and getting a sense of the whole. So that, and because we, when we have a sense of the whole animal, we are educated, we are transformed in our understanding, and we understand our own experience much more clearly because we can see where it connects with the rest. So, you know, if you, um, I was running uh, an off, one of the AARs that um, was being spoken about uh, at this other trust, the, um, They'd run a, there had been a patient um, medication incident and the community pharmacist had come into the hospital in his own time. So, you yeah. know, in your little pharmacy, he'd come in too. 
um, and the pharmacy teams and the ward dispensers all learned together from the and got a sense of the whole animal that was this this medication error and harm that the patient experienced and that was so enriching for them all um, so and that's what we're doing in every AR getting a sense of the the whole animal together brilliant yeah I mean that, that that's what made it kind of click in my head um, so I mean that was great Thank, thanks very much um, so at the end of every episode, we ask a what the health tech moment. Um, so it's basically a question for a bit of fun. And we want to hear about kind of any weird or wonderful stories that you've experienced in kind of health and social care. Um, so I was just wondering kind of what's your what's your what the health tech moment? Well, because I worked in the NHS for 34 years and most of those were clinical, I have to say I have hundreds. And I was thinking about this Um you know, I, what what would be ethical to share um, as well as what would be interesting to hear. And I'd just yeah. like to, I've chosen one story because it, I guess for me, I've actually loved every moment of my NHS career. And I, I really do think it's a, um, it's a fabulous career. Whatever we hear about it in the press, I really do recommend working for the NHS. Yeah. So I was working in paediatrics in the early 90s. And in paediatrics, actually, you would be shocked by how badly children and their parents were treated relative to today. Hmm. Parents were not welcome. I mean, it was, you know, they were given a bed, a chair by the bed if their child was really ill. You know, it was, it, there was no sort of facilities for parents and the, they were not uh, really that welcome. And children were expected to behave perfectly. And this was, this was a real chat. So there was no accommodation, no adaptation to a child's own particular needs. And this meant that in the radiotherapy department of the hospital where I was working, children who were having radiotherapy would be anaesthetized every single day for their six weeks of um, cancer treatment. Because, because the machines for radiotherapy are so enormous and the devices to hold the limb or the, or the head still, you know, were quite scary. Children mm. were naturally, you know, uh, fearful and distressed and would cry. So the choice was um, made to anaesthetize them every single day. And you can imagine what uh, the level of disruption that had to their family life, their schooling, their nutrition. I mean, having to starve for a general anaesthetic and the cost to the hospital. I showed that, and I took it one patient at a time, I showed that if you played with children in the radiotherapy room with teddies and dolls and allowed them to get a sense of how the machine worked and where mum and dad would be standing and you know what it was like for the teddy bear to lie still and then to practice lying still themselves i showed that children could lie still without any need for any genuine anesthetic and today that is the standard practice that all for all pediatric services you know there's time now built into treatment plans so that children have a chance to play and to learn at the pace that works for them so they can go through radiotherapy treatment 
without the need for this, a general anaesthetic or other, you know, restrictions. That's so fantastic. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, no, yeah, and you should be yeah, amazing. That's a great story. Um, I, I get, I guess, it, kind of culturally that, you know, and it, we seem to be getting there, that, but that move towards patients at the heart of things rather than, I mean, you kind of sort of talked about it at the top, you know, somebody with some letters after the names of the most important person or, you know, it, and actually, yeah, it needs to be more pen, patient-centric, patient-centered. Um, yeah, that was that was fantastic. Thanks, Judy. Um, okay, so just uh, thanks again for everybody for joining us this week and, and thanks to you all for listening. Next week, we're going to hear from Radar Healthcare's Terry Murphy, who will be talking about his passion for making a difference in healthcare. Don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you've got any questions for me or any of the guests, please email whatthehealthtech at radarhealthcare.com. Thank you.